Welcome to the Humane Roundup Podcast, where we share all the exciting stories about animal cruelty investigations, dangerous animals, and amazing rescues. Find out what goes on inside of animal shelters and all the current trends in the animal welfare industry. Now, here is your host, Daniel Edinger. Episode 77 in the books. What's going on, Ashley Bishops? Not much. <laughs> I'm How dying is... over here. I got something <laughs> in my throat as soon as we went live. Of course. You got the uh, Rona. <laughs> ah, no, no Rona. No Rona. How was your animal control appreciation week? It was really good. Really appreciated and felt like, uh, felt honored to, you know, work amongst a bunch of awesome fellow officers and you know hear some great stories like we had on those bonus episodes that last week and it was great how about you she ain't lying about her pausing (laughs) (laughs) it's it just keeps cutting out at me and then it like goes silent and i don't know what to do to fix it well at least you got tim to fix it so that's good thanks tim (laughs) (laughs) oh so what did you say how how was your week uh, just like any other week. Oh, no so, difference? You didn't get any sort of, like, accolade or appreciation? No. That sucks. That sucks. Um, maybe a, a couple from fellow officers on, you know, Instagram and um, Facebook when I put it out there to them. But, yeah. Well, we ever. appreciate you here on the Humane Roundup. Uh, and I know our fellow officers in the in the field appreciate you. So, I mean, at least that can be one part of it right yeah absolutely but you know it's we shouldn't put too much stock in one week that's like set aside just to say hey like we know every day that you're doing a great job and hopefully you hear it from your supervisors as well yeah so we got a good show today and in a few we'll introduce our next guest who is todd stosi from santa cruz animal services it could be and we'll find out when we get him on here in a second and a uh, former NACA president as well. And we got some exciting things to talk about outreach and some other things too. So that's, that's good. It's, it's a, it should be an interesting program. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Any crazy cases that you worked on this past week or anything? Um, I, the number of dangerous dogs that I've had this spring has been just ridiculous but I had like a dog that ran out of its house and attacked a five-year-old boy like the little boy said that he remembers the dog like picking him up and throwing him um and as mom's like carrying the kid into the house the dog is still attached to the kid so how bad were the bites um there was only two real bad punctures they didn't put stitches in well um if you listen to the rest of them were horrible no, I was just going to say, if you listen to one of our future episodes coming up with Dr. Ian Dunbar, you could put a number to that bite, right? The bite it scale. Would, it would actually, I figured it out, it would probably be about a five because okay. like, it'd be multiple bites. So, Got it. Yeah. dog is headed to a training facility to see if he's rehabilitable. Re- rehabilitable? Rehabable? <laughs> have you noticed, I, I it feels like cases have been increasing. I, whether it's aggressive animals or cruelty to animals, I just, I don't know if it's related to like the pandemic or or what the heck's going on, but it's definitely, I'm seeing an increase on my end. 
I can say that, so this family, of course, got this dog at like eight to 10 weeks old. And they admitted that they never got him into training. This dog has no manners. He wasn't aggressive with me, um, but he had absolutely no manners. Knock on the door. He's jumping over couches and stuff, trying to jump on me constantly. Um, And so a lot of the trainers are saying that they're seeing this because people didn't get their dogs into training. They didn't get them socialized. They're just at home. They're like, let's get a dog while we're at home during this pandemic. And then not work with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, man, I tell you, it's just been case after case. And uh, you know what? I don't like I mind and I don't mind. Like I I love the work that I do. But like when you're writing up, you know, putting together cases and cases and cases and then you're, you know, sitting on scene, writing up warrants and and doing this type of stuff. Yeah, it really weighs on you. It really does. Yeah. Well, and like I can't I can't seem to catch up on actually getting the reports written for them. I've got a, a neglect case too that I haven't been able to get charged out yet because I, I don't have the time to write the case or the report. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's hear about some other things we can do in the field as some outreach stuff. Let's introduce our guest, Todd Stosi. How's it going, my man? It's going well, going well. Another so, sunny day. Todd, you your department's name, and, and if you've ever listened to the show, you know we talk about all the different names that are used to define our profession. You mm-hmm. are you animal services? No, we so we used to be Santa Cruz County Animal Services, and we changed it a few years back to Santa Cruz County Animal Shelter, just to make it more um, friendly to the to the public. Basically, services seemed a little bit too government, a little bit too big brother. So we wanted to be more, more user friendly, so to speak. Do the officers go like what do you call the officers then? <laughs> well, and that's the interesting thing. We changed the actual shelter name, but we didn't really go change our names. Um, we're still just considered animal control officers, um, okay. which is a much it's because we're government, it, it for some reason it was much easier to change the agency name than it is to change the job name due to um, you know, union rules and all that. So, interesting. Yeah, if you if you could change the name to something go ahead bishop your union yeah oh can i just say i'm jealous (laughs) i'm surprised you're not union especially with a police department i'm i'm the only one i'm the only humane officer and i'm not a sworn officer Uh, and they actually the state changed like our um Records department used to be union. They're no longer union. Our teachers are no longer union. And that was just a, the governor did something. A bunch oh, that's of right. I, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. So is that California role as every animal control agency unionized or is that just specific to your city county? Um, I mean, I, I don't particularly know the entire state, but the majority that I am aware of, I, I don't know any that are not union. Oh, in interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Just because, I mean, we, I mean, there, there's, I would say we, in California, we have what's considered animal control officers and we're the ones who work for government agencies. And then they have humane officers who work for like nonprofits. So the nonprofits are most likely not unionized, but that's, I don't know for sure. That's just a guess. And unlike the East coast, you do everything there, right? So your, 
you're not like the reason I bring that up is like we had a guest on from Pittsburgh and they have humane officers that handle all the investigations. So if you're an animal control officer, say in Pittsburgh, you do your dog at large complaints, maybe your bite investigations. But if there is an animal cruelty concern uh, that gets bumped to a humane, humane agent in Santa Cruz, you're doing all of that, right? Yeah. And, and, and I mean, again, this comes down to the law and where it's kind of confusing, like in, in Santa Cruz, we're the only agency here. So the animal control officers are tasked with everything, you know, serving warrants, animal cruelty, you know, animal fighting, dangerous dogs. But in the next county over in Monterey County, um, they have an SPCA as well as uh, the government county agency. So their animal control officers only do, you know, stray enforcement, bite investigations, um, where the SPCA does all the cruelty. So it's another one of those kind of, there's no, um, you know, kind of like normal system in place when it comes to animal control or humane officers. It's kind of all over the board. So Ashley Bishop has a question for you. <laughs> I'm just guessing what the question is. Uh, Ashley, do you know what I'm guessing? I don't. <laughs> do you, does your team wear bulletproof vests? Oh, yes. Um, Yes. So it is. And here's here's another interesting one. So years ago, uh, back when I was on the NACA board, which really shows how long ago it was, because that was quite a bit time ago, uh, is when um, uh, Roy Markham was was killed up in Sacramento. And so we really pushed for for getting ballistic vests. And our CAO at the time, the county administrative officer, basically said, we don't think they should be wearing bulletproof vest because it's going to look like they're armed and if someone thinks they're armed they're more likely to get shot oh, and so yeah <laughs> so, so, that was, so that was the thinking at the time so they basically said we're not paying for ballistic vests um and that's that and so i was able to secure a grant from the aspca and was able to get all my officers ballistic vests that they had to they had to sign a piece of paper that said like we we understand this isn't county issued and we're doing it on our own accord or, or something like that some sort of legalese okay. uh, but yes they all they all do wear them at this point that's great man that is that's great so let's jump into some of the, the outreach stuff that you're known for man i i think i met you several years ago uh, talking yeah, about oh, wow. talk, talking about uh outreach stuff and you know i i've you know i've i guess i'm known for some of these matchbox trucks that I give out to kids in the community, which I still you haven't sent you haven't sent me one yet. <clears throat> yeah, and, and so I'm glad you bring that up here yeah. on the podcast. Is I, I'm going to blame the Suez Canal incident okay. for why I haven't sent those to you. Got uh, it. I still I'm waiting on a shipment of about 600. Uh, I blew wow. through the first uh, thousand or more. Like they just boom, like the orders were in and they were out. So big shout out to everybody that uh, purchased those and. Yeah, I don't know where this last 600 is. I actually have an email into my rep at Mattel and hope to hear back soon. So I'll, I'll definitely be in the loop here or loop cool. you in as soon as I know. But point being is, you know, I, I gave out, I, you know, I, I went to like a Purina plant that we have in, in Colorado and was like, hey, can, would you be willing to donate stuff and use that for outreach material? So I kind of want to hear from you, like the, the, the roots behind it and, you know, how you got it started and, and where it is now. Yeah, yeah. No, I've 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 been an animal control officer now for, you know, it's funny because I I you kind of lose track in doing this. You just kind of it's kind of just your job. You wake up every day, go to work, kind of come home. And I was kind of just putting my stuff together the other day and, and realized I've been doing this for 18 years. <laughs> it's just like that is two years short of 20 years. That is just a long time um to be doing something. Um, awesome, yeah, but it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and, and you know, it's one of those things I know I'll do for another 10, you know, and and, and try and make the 30 years if I can. 
Um, but kind of the the community policing thing that I got into was was probably, gosh, probably about ten years ago. Um, I really noticed that I was kind of just servicing the same households over and over again in some of our lower income areas. Um, you know, where they would they would get a dog, uh, they would neglect the dog in some way or another, or, or they would let the dog run loose, um, and I'd end up taking the dog from them. I'd end up, you know, either adopting the dog out or euthanizing the dog. And then two weeks later, I'd be back at the same house for another dog. And I kind of just came to the realization one day of like, I'm not actually servicing the community I serve, nor am I servicing the animals I serve. Um, and so I started trying to think of other ways that we could serve them and trying to keep animals in homes um, as opposed to, to inundating the shelter with animals that don't necessarily need to be there. Um, and I kind of just snowballed from there and I kind of just started doing presentations and started um uh created you know a couple different programs within my department um and those programs don't really exist to this day cuz cuz what ended up happening was my department's culture within the officers kind of shifted and so we used to you know go door to door to houses and try and make contact with people and we used to do these proactive community patrols but now the 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 calls for service that my officers go on every day they do community service or they do community policing. Um, and so we're not, I mean, we are enforcement based. We still, you know, put people in jail. We still issue tickets, but I would say for 95% of those calls we go on, we can help intervene as social workers um, and provide some sort of um, assistance, whether it's, it's, you know, a free item or advice, or even just, you know, the, the, the dog attack that Ashley was talking about earlier, you know, if we have an officer who understands behavior, understands training, just giving that behavior advice while on scene, offering training advice, um, yes. you know, to try and rectify those situations so it doesn't become that dog bite. Absolutely. I mean, I even had, I had another one even after that, and I that's definitely something I try mm -hmm. to do. Um, but it's also getting the training to those officers so that yeah. they have that. Is that like how how do you go through that with your office? Well, and 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 that I mean that is the different thing too is you know every officer has a different personality, and it really is working with what their best strengths are. Um, you know, years ago I had an officer who no longer works for me, and when we did the door to door campaign, I quickly realized he was the wrong person to put in that spot. <laughs> he was much better at handling, um, you know, containment checks and like making sure yards were secure. He was not very good at working with the public. <laughs> um, and so it's it really is taking those different personalities. And, you know, I, I actually had an officer who was a behaviorist years ago who really helped me understand some things. And so I try and impart some of what she said to my officers. Um, but again, they're not behaviorists, they're not trainers, so they're not going to know everything. Um, mm -hmm. But if they just have some of those little, um, and I hate the expression, like another tool in their tool belt or, or tool in their toolbox, but it is one of those things. It's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, and and again, it really does come to to their strengths and weaknesses. Um, uh, like I, I personally don't like vicious dog cases. <laughs> I'd rather do neglect things. So I try and not do the vicious if I don't have to, just because it's it's not what interests me, and and, and I would get burned out a lot quicker. Um, so it's it's utilizing people um, to to what their strengths are. How do you balance that though? So you bring up a good point mm -hmm. in a department, like. And I don't know how much time you spend in the road specifically, but say you have, and we'll just kind of generalize this. You have four officers on duty. They're assigned a district. I don't, 
I don't know if you do that or if it's just because it's smaller, you don't necessarily need to do that. But if I'm in a district and a call comes in for an aggressive, I have, I'm like, I have to handle that. I'm in that district. I'm one of those four officers. Uh, and so how do you and your department balance it? If you know specifically, like, uh, we'll say Jeff likes the vicious calls and Jana likes the investigations, how do you as a team communicate like, Hey, even though it's in your area, I'll come grab that. Yeah. So, and, and we do, we do do it by area. I mean, we're, you know, we cover the, the County of Santa Cruz in four different cities. So we're, we don't call them districts. Um, but you know, we have one officer who's assigned to South County, which is, uh, the Watsonville Aptos area. Uh, and then one who's assigned to kind of like the Santa Cruz, uh, SoCal area, then another one who's North area. Um, and you know, it always comes down to public safety, even if I don't, personally enjoy the vicious calls if i'm the closest one to a dog and attack in progress case you know i'm going sure Uh, but then when it comes down to once the emergency is no longer there if that other officer is interested in doing that case we can pull them out of that other area to do the case um what what i've noticed in over the past couple months um because of just you know employees being out sick or you know we, we're on mandated furloughs now so you know people are being furloughed um, and and basically that means a, a pay cut <laughs> and then you get you're off work uh, more days um, so there's been definitely cases lately where several people have worked on them and it really just muddies the water when you have you know so more- true Todd so so true yeah, yeah. and so there's oh, there's no. one there's one we've been trying to get a warrant on this past week and and. You know, after going round and round and round with the DA, it's it's a vicious dog case. You know, he the DA finally came back and said, "Well, I think this is more of an administrative thing. So now you have to get an administrative warrant instead of a criminal warrant." And it's it's just bounced from officer to officer to officer, and it's just it's getting to the point where it's 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 getting so muddy that it's like we might end up losing this case. You know, so so there definitely is a is the issue of of having too many cooks in the kitchen, as they say. Um, but I think if like, if one person starts a case and another one finishes it, I, I don't think there's a problem with that. It's just having multiple people working the same case gets very confusing. Can we go back into the trucks of, of the officers and what are some of the things that they keep with them that they can utilize as resources, outreach material, those type of things? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the easy one is Kongs, um, okay. like enrichment activities for backyard dogs, the, during COVID, we stopped responding to barking dog complaints just because we didn't want to put um, our officers at any more risk of, you know, coming in contact with people that um, for for nuisance complaints. But now that we're kind of, you know, pretty much everyone's fully vaccinated, and you know, we've moved up to orange tier, we've we've kind of we've started bringing barking dog calls back in. And the reason I like to do the barking dog calls is, you know, ninety five percent of those are neighbor disputes. 95% of those are just, you know, someone doesn't like someone else. And so they're complaining to us, mm-hmm. uh, but that other 5% really is some sort of minor neglect issue. Um, you know, it's, it's a dog with separation anxiety. That's in a backyard. It's a dog that's bored in a backyard. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a minor neglect. It's not criminal. It's not illegal, but it's the dog is, is not being, you know, given the best life it could. Um, and the simplest thing I found in a lot of these barking dog complaints is you give someone a Kong and you give them peanut butter and you explain to them how to use it, how to freeze it overnight, how to give it to them in the morning when they go to work. And um, that just that that does a couple things. It solves the the complaint from the citizen. So you're you know, you're doing your true um, public service, but it also um, helps that animal live a better life. Um, you know, it's 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 such a simple act. Um, but, you know, you know, I, I kind of. Um, 
like to say, you know, you're if I were to put you in a backyard and I would give you, you know, your favorite beer, your favorite food and some shelter. After you were finished with the food and the beer, you would just beer, you would just sit there and have nothing to do and you'd be bored and you'd pull out your iPhone and you start playing on your iPhone. And that's that's, you know, I, I, I equate the Kong to an iPhone. You know, once a dog has drinking its water, once a dog has eaten its food um, and, and is now sitting in its house, it needs something to do. It's its own TikTok. The dog is on TikTok. Who supplies the? Are you as is your department buying the the Kong? Do you have a deal with Kong? How does that work out? A couple different ways. Um, so Kong will actually provide any agency um, free Kongs if you go to their website. They have a, a section where you can fill out. Um, where basically it's it's Kongs that like don't meet their specific specifications. Maybe there's like a little coloring wrong on it or maybe it's like misshapen or it spells um, ong instead of kong on it exactly exactly so so you can get a ton of kongs that way um and unfortunately the more i tell people about that i think probably the less kongs you can get that way because there's <laughs> more agencies um but we also do an amazon wish list oh cool yeah so we basically say you know on amazon we want kongs we want this we want this and then people will just buy it and send it to us um you know and Dan, there may be um, options through our uh, friends over at the ASPCA as well for something like that. I know that they've got different grants um, and they try to, they have programs too to keep animals in their homes. So checking out with the ASPCA, because yeah, I understand how Kong might get Mm -hmm. over inundated now with us, you know, all requesting them. but the A might have some grants. Yeah, and the, the, the A and, um, uh, you know, Best Friends, like all these different groups have really caught on to field work over the past several years. You know, everything used to be very shelter-based. Um, and I think, you know, probably about, I think it was kind of around the time Pets for Life came around with uh, Humane Society of the United States that it kind of started opening people's eyes to how much, how many animals are being served in the community that aren't actually passing through the shelter and how you know there's so much more we can do for them so um i did get a twenty five thousand dollar grant from the a several years ago to buy dog houses and runners um, for dogs so so they definitely i mean those agencies have so much money it's just a matter of you know getting in the and getting it in at the right time and getting this to the right person a guest coming up in a few episodes uh, they it's a group that we use here in colorado called buddies builders and they they actually um, they started kind of as a Obviously, you have to listen to the episode to find it out more in detail, but they started as kind of like a grassroots, a bunch of people getting together and building these dog houses. And now mm-hmm. they outsource them uh, to a community, like a, like a youth corrections facility, something like that, where these kids nice. are putting them together. And, uh, you know, then we're able to, to you know, recommend them in certain situations where we, we feel like this person's in need and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they can't afford it. And so they can go and get one uh, donated to them. So it's a great kind of a great model. And I think what you're doing there in Santa Cruz and, and ha- just having that forward thinking, right? Uh, we yeah. look at, I think we look at society today, right? We look at social media and how the only thing we're really getting seen is, as far as anybody in a badge and uniform is they're, they're doing something negative or wrong. Mm-hmm. And so hearing these positive stories on, we can really be community resource officers, but also still have that aspect of enforcement uh, is, in my opinion, the model that we need for this profession moving forward. 
I agree. I couldn't agree more. And you know, I, 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 you know, I will say, and I, and I may be unpopular <laughs> in the in saying this, but I've noticed on, um, you know, it's it's pretty amazing to me recently how many different animal care and control organizations are popping up. Um, you know, the, the Poundmaster five nine seven and and Code three now. You know, with Janae is really you know moving forward with some stuff and just all these different agencies that are popping up. But one thing I've really noticed is people wearing these these tactical um, bulletproof vests that make them look like they're ready to go, like kicking the door to drug house. Let's talk about it. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, the, it's the outer vest, the carrier with all these yeah. different things on it. So what does yeah. your team wear? What do you got? What's your staff wear? We, I mean, we, you know, it's, it's, I don't have a specific, um, uh, policy on what people wear. Um, we, we supply them with, you know, the typical, um, uh, brown um top with uh, green pants we, we and we unfortunately look a little bit too much like sheriff's deputies in my mind um, okay. um you know and but we also provide the um uh with like a polo shirts which is like a badge on the front that says either animal control or animal law enforcement on the back um but i do have one employee <coughs> who has recently gotten the, the the tactical outer vest thing and you know i see him and I actually my first th- Thing I said to him was, "What are you going to do? Go go into a drug raid right now? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, do you really need all that as an animal control officer? Um, you know, and and actually, Dan, years ago, I think one of the first times you and I met, I was on a panel out there in Colorado um, on tasers. Yes, I remember and, this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I remember everyone <laughs> there really wanted to wear a taser, and I was anti-taser. I was like, you know, if you have the taser to protect yourself from the human, that's one thing." But if you're using your taser to catch a dog, then you're not you're not really an animal control officer because you should be able to catch an, a, a dog with a control pole or a snappy snare or a leash. Lariat. Not, yeah. uh, uh, he didn't even say lariat. Lariat. <laughs> uh, Todd, you're a thousand percent correct on this. And so, like you said, it might not be popular with some of our listeners, yeah. but let's be real yeah. about it. Let's let's have that conversation. And I look, I can't speak to everyone's individual experiences. And so there may be times where they felt they were in a situation where they weren't safe and they needed that taser. That is their experience. And I don't devalue that. What, what my perspective and my experience is, I've, I haven't been in the job 18 years, but I'm a little bit behind you uh, going on 11. And I'll tell you, I can probably count the time that I've even used a catch pull in those 11 years. Like I just don't, I, I think as you learn, to understand behavior of animals and communicate with them. It's a, the communication is two ways, right? Yep. It's yep. not just, oh, I'm walking there with my chest out and, and approach this dog aggressively. Well, guess what? It's going to snap and bark at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you deserve it. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's utilizing your body language and skills uh, to really be able to, to make that animal feel safe. He, and again, I can't speak to other people. There, there might be communities where they have uh, a majority, not a majority, but a, a scale of like, feral dogs like we would a feral cat population and those dogs have never been on a leash but the mm. majority of animals that we're dealing with either know the word siéntate or sit right they they've been on a leash not all of them but a lot of them have like they understand human interaction and contact they may feel like you're somebody that they don't know you're a stranger but it doesn't mean that they're not familiar with certain commands and certain mm. uh, certain things that we do and so, like, how many times have you told a dog to load up and it jumps in your truck? Yep, exactly. Or go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. And so to further that conversation, and maybe we can, um, I, I feel like we could do a whole episode 
directly for that specific you know topic but to further that conversation it's just putting it out there and letting officers know that like you, sure it may be a and i know you you brought this up a second ago it may be a tool in your tool belt but is it necessary yeah and 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 i will say i mean i for when we do really high stakes warrants you know i do have a bulletproof vest or ballistic vest that i do wear on the outside and it you know says animal control real big on it and when i put that on i notice that i walk and act differently than when i'm just wearing my my polo shirt or when i'm you know and people look at you differently i mean just the the when i wear that the looks that i get from people um you, you're intimidating um and, and i think with what's happening across the country in law enforcement we should try and scale back that intimidation well, we're not going to we're not going to serve the community that we're paid to protect and we're paid to serve by coming in and intimidating them and i'll just add to this uh, ashley and if you have something to please jump in but um you, todd i know you as a guy with a big beard right i have long mm -hmm. hair long yep. hair and a beard you have a sleeve or maybe two sleeves i, don't know, I haven't seen you in a while um but like uh that idea of being this cookie cutter uh, law enforcement replica or military mm -hmm. replica of like a buzz cut you know clean cut robotic look i think if we start dressing and looking like our communities uh, people feel um, like more of a connection to you in that and, aspect and i 100 percent agree you know i we one of the cities we serve is um the city of watsonville which is a, a very heavily um, uh, uh, Mexican community, Mexican immigrant community, um, majority Spanish speaking only. Um, and what I, we, we know, one of the community policing um, ideas is having people work in areas that that represent that community. Um, so the officers that I assign down there are both Hispanic. One's a Mexican, they're both Mexican American, um, but one um, you know came up from Mexico and he was 26, learned English here. English is a second language. And he serves that community way better than I could. Um, I, I'm not bilingual. Um, you know, I, I go in there, I'm a white guy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seen differently and I don't understand the culture like he does. And I think that's, that's very important, um, you know, discussion to have with people is that we should um, be hiring people who, who look like our community and who represent our community. Um, and on the same level, you know, when, when, you know, the robotic cookie cutter thing, you know, I always treat every single person exactly the same with the utmost respect, but I will always change how I talk to people based on on kind of, of the dynamic that we're having. Um, you know, so say it's a little old lady whose cat has bitten her, you know, I'm not going to go up to her and like, th you know, kind of fist bumper and kind of be like, yo, what up, bro? <laughs> you know, I'm like, ma'am, how you doing today? I'm, you know, your cat is really cute. That is an adorable kitty cat you have, ma'am. You know, but then if I'm down, you know, working with a gang member who's kind of like pumping up his chest and throwing his gang size, I'm be like, what's up, bro? How you doing? You know, look, I'm just here to talk to you about your dog. I could give two shits about that gun you got sitting in your car. Let's just talk about your dog, you know, and kind of, you know, I'm sorry that I cursed. Hopefully you no, have to be. Okay. This, this episode is labeled explicit lyrics. Um, so <laughs> the little parental advisory deal. So we're good. Yeah, and all you want. Yeah, anybody who knows me knows that I, I drop the F-bomb quite frequently. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. And Ashley, I would kind of like to hear your pers perspective on it. Just, you know, being so, in the, yeah. I, so I, working for a police department, um, I actually, I started out with a polo. Um, and I actually asked to go to a button down because 
I wasn't taken very seriously. Uh, and I still am not. My my title is humane officer. And people hear the humane and immediately associate society. And they don't give a shit about what I have to say because they don't realize I'm law enforcement. Um, so that's an issue for me. Um, my uniform is a different color than our officers, though. So um, with it being a different color... You know, I I do differentiate from them, um, and my badge looks a little different. I wear the vest under my shirt, um, and honestly, it has protected me from a dog bite even. <laughs> so um, it, there's definitely that benefit there. Um, so, and I get the, you know, wanting the, the perspective of, you know, being easier to... It, more approachable, um, but I'm also, we had a, we've had several shootings up here in my area, and, you know, we had an officer killed in 2017, and I literally was a block away when the guy had shot the attorney. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I still want to be wearing my vest, and even as far as the taser, I wouldn't mind having one, but it would not be for use on animals whatsoever. That would be a um, use for personal protection from people type situation. So kind of my perspective. I think it's a solid perspective. And honestly, um, you know, you are a reflection of your community. And so what you need to do to be safe in your community is important. Uh, I'm, again, I, I'm not here to devalue anyone's experiences and say you don't need certain equipment. I personally think like this profession, though, like we wear a polo, um, we are still doing law enforcement. And I personally would not be opposed for us to have the ability to run code, to carry a firearm and to have handcuffs in those situations that we mm. need it. I don't think I would ever need to have a, a firearm for a dog. It's not about that situation. It's about the situation that I walk into and I have to remove somebody's family member and that person that I'm removing the family member from is having a horrible day or a horrible just life in general. And is like, you're not taking my effing dog and pulls out a yep. gun on me. You know, so that's that's where I'm at because we're often in those situations without backup. Uh, let's shift gears really quick because we we got to wrap it up here with Todd. But I wanted to get this in pretty quickly because it's really it's really fitting to, you know, Todd's position and what he's done. And this email came to us a little while ago from Molly. She's a manager of uh, animal control and shelter operations in St. Paul, Minnesota. And she wrote to us, uh, she said, I found managing field employees extremely challenging. Some of it has been well, was because this program has been long neglected and I'm trying to change it to a community service education enforcement uh, when necessary based model. So kind of what Todd's doing already in Santa Cruz. Uh, she, she says field staff are trying to cling to the old school dog catcher model. Uh, and change to people, it, it's scary. Some of it is because the program is too large for one person to reasonably manage. And some of it is because uh, knowing how to support people who spend most of their time in the field is challenging. Finding the balance between accountability and micromanaging is a tight rope, tight, tight rope to walk. Even when you, you when, even when <laughs> you used to be in active field, in active field yourself, <laughs> it's okay. We'll get through this together, people. Uh, I'd be interested in hearing uh, from managers who have found success managing field programs, especially those who are managing shelter programs as well. And she'd like to hear what other ACOs have on 
kind of have experienced themselves. So I guess my question to kind of generalize that for you, Todd, is like, how do you get buy-in from your staff to, to be able to be outreach and enforcement versus just the old kind of old school dog catcher? I, th I think people have seen it work. I think, I mean, I think definitely when it first started, I, it was very unpopular. I think, I think one of the things that I've, I've done throughout my life is I, as I try and bring out these innovative ideas that are not popular, you know, I've, I've brought up a couple just on this program that probably several officers have, have written me off now because of my ideas and thoughts. Um, but I think it's, it's, you know, as we, as we progress as a, as a, as a agency or as a field, as a career, um, there's going to be changes. Things are going to change. You know, just in the 18 years I've been doing it, I've seen insane amounts of change that have occurred. Um, you know, from from you know old school dog catching to what it is now, and I think it's going to continue to grow. If, if the the California just had their animal care and control conference last week, and the amount of progressive ideas that are being thrown forward now from everyone all over the state. Um, is, is just showing me how th the model of animal care control is going to change across the country over the next 10 years, even more. Um, you know, they always say what starts in California eventually goes across the country. Um, and mm -hmm. I've, I've, I definitely believe that in, in what I've seen, not only in animal care control, but, you know, with, with marijuana laws and, you know, policing laws and just different things. Um, so, so getting that buy-in in the beginning is very hard. It is very hard. And, and I've taught, you know, I've gone to different communities. I've, uh, you know, from most all 50 states and, and done presentations and I definitely get a lot of pushback um, and then following back up with that community a year or two later some of those people who gave the pushback go you know I don't 100% agree with everything you said but it really does make sense just to give a Kong to that dog rather than take the dog away um, you know so I think if when people see those things actually work is when they kind of start realizing that it does make sense to change um, you know, it's kind of similar to the, the TNR thing, um, you know, trap and kill doesn't work. We've been doing it for a long time. It doesn't work. Um, whether the community cats is the answer, I don't know, but something needs to change. Um, you know, so I think it's, 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 that is just changing our mindsets and realizing that if we're in this as a career, the career is going to grow and we're going to have to grow with it or we're going to be left behind. Well, and to add to that change is hard for some, right? Mm -hmm. But the, the idea of, being that same person you were when you started this job, mm -hmm. right? To, to when you finish your career is, in my opinion, a naive perspective to have, right? We should be open to change. And like like you said, people may not agree with what you said today on the program or what I said to, today on the program. That doesn't mean they should stop listening to the episode and, and just go about their way and mm -hmm. be like, well, they said it this way. It's a challenge for them to think a little differently. I'm not saying throw away your tasers. And I'm not saying that um, go buy a gun and, and handcuffs and go out there and start, you know, walking around like you're a cop. I look, if I wanted to go be a cop, I would go be a cop. I love right. this job because I can uh, help people and animals in that aspect. And I think it's really important that we think outside of the box. You know, we had an episode several, several episodes ago with the KC pet project. They're brand new, right? They took over, well, they were doing the shelter stuff in KC for a while, but they just took over field services. And I know some of our listeners we're like, whoa, wait a second. Like they're putting officers in communities without bulletproof vests. And we know KC is a dangerous place, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's their experience. That's what they're doing doing now. It doesn't mean they're not open to change and add those vests at some point if they, if they feel it's necessary or if their team feels it's necessary. It's when we operate from a, you know, from a mentality of just closed-mindedness is obviously there will be no change. And so uh, 
you know, I, I like to think that we'll continue to progress in this profession and, and having people like you, you know, having other opportunities to, to learn and just hear different stories and experiences will obviously bring uh, ideas and change. So, and, and just to, to preface that when I first started this career, I was that shaved head, bald military, like I want to be a cop kind of guy. <laughs> and so I've definitely changed in these 18 years to become, you know, the hippie officer that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> the community policing so but you can so before we before we let you go you can be yourself like if you yep. take anything away from this episode today you can be yourself and still be safe still enforce the law still you know represent your department in a way that is professional and respectful it took me probably a good three to four years to feel like i could actually just be who i am and talk mm -hmm. to people uh as a person and not like this robotic um, scripted approach. And so be yourself. You'll find that it works way better than uh, being somebody that you're not. Agreed. Hey, Todd. Yes. Do you have an email that maybe the person that sent that email could reach out to you to kind of touch base and. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Because I know I didn't answer her question in my diatribe there. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my email. So it's my name, which is T O D D. And then a period, and then my last name, which is S is in Sam, T O S is in Sam again, U Y, at Santa Cruz County US. And we'll add that to the show notes too. Thanks for calling that out, Ash. Absolutely, Ash. You got anything else for Todd before we get our NACA update? I don't think so. I think this was great, and I hope maybe we can get Todd back on, you know, another day, and we could even delve into that aspect of the management yep. a little bit more um definitely want to get some help out to uh, the person that wrote in but you know get it out there to some of our other listeners who might be in the same situation yeah and 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 just to go back to dan's question earlier like you know i am the manager but i definitely get out there and, and becoming an officer was was is is what i like to do you know i don't necessarily like all the barking dog complaints but going mm -hmm. out there and working with the community and talking to the community is what i enjoy sitting behind a desk pushing paper around, I don't enjoy. So I, I definitely try and get out there as much as I can um, and just do those day-to-day, -day, you know, cases. Even, even after 18 years, I find those day-to-day -day cases interesting. You know, you're always going to learn something. So And I bet your team really enjoys that too. So yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Well, dude, thanks again for joining us. You're more than welcome yep. to stay on while we have NACA. If you have any questions for them, I know you're a former president. So Feel free sure. to stay on, stay on and okay. chat with Adam. All right, we'll introduce him here in one second after a quick word from our sponsor. Okay, cool, that's done. Uh, Adam, you're up, man. Hey, Adam, thank, thanks for joining us today, Adam. How's it going? Uh, it is a cloudy, overcast day here in Southern Texas. Not very fun. You're still in Texas. When are you moving, man? Ah, we make the big trip this upcoming Friday. Uh, so five days from now, I'll be moving back to Maine. They just had some snow a couple days ago. Oh, that's so, going to be a culture shock. I, I just need to know. <laughs> I'm, they... I'm from Maine. So, like, I've lived in oh. the snow for 32 years. So, like, I know what I'm getting myself into. Um, so, yeah, it's all good. Adam, I have to know. Okay. Do, they keep, do they keep it humane Maine in Maine? <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to ask somebody else that. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Let's let's jump into some NACA updates, man. Yeah, so you know, ACO Appreciation Week ended, you know, yesterday. Uh, hopefully, some people were able to take advantage of some of the things that are going. We still got a few more things that are going to be coming out. Uh, hopefully, over the next week, with some giveaways and some information on some scholarships 
um, that we were still finalizing as 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 recent just last week during the week, you know, still talking with some people who want to do some things. So we're going to be able to extend that out just a little bit longer, uh, have some opportunities for some people. And then the other big news, it got announced just the other day, uh, NACA has hired its director of partnerships and programs with Jerrica Owens. She comes from the San Diego Humane Society. Off the top of my head, I'm not going to remember exactly what her title was. She's had a lot of positions over there over the last uh, right around 15 years, I, I believe, um, doing a lot of different things and been part of some of their emergency response programming. And so she was going to, she started in that position about a week ago and she's getting in, uh, meeting with some people, getting some good information to start that foundation for how that position is going to move NACA forward. Nice. That's fantastic. Well, hopefully we can get her here on an episode and have her introduce herself uh, in the next coming episodes, man. Yeah, absolutely. Just let me know. Um, I can put you in contact uh, with her, get that all arranged. I mean, ideally, when we're doing the, these NAC updates, she's going to be the person that we're going to want in front, handling these conversations, doing those things. She's going to be the one that's going to be, you know, neck deep in everything that's going on NACA related. Exciting. That's awesome stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, very excited to be able to have her on board. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still going through and having, you know, still conversations in around with HRA as to see what a strategic partnership would be. Uh, hopefully in the next coming weeks, month, two months, uh, we'll have some information to share publicly right now. We're just going through and checking a lot of boxes and a lot of back and forth. And then we'll start to get legal teams involved. Got it. Ashley, you want to give Adam an update on your online training that you've been doing for NACA? Uh, I've only made it through the first. Um, <laughs> the first. You've had a lot of free time then to get it done. Huh? I, it, exactly. Well, and of course, I'm like, all right, I'm going to start it now because this is I'm still slow. And then it was like, oh, you started training? No, 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 no. You're going to have like 10 cases. So, uh, uh, but the training has been it's been good. I'm doing the, um, ACO two. Um, so that, but I really enjoy the first set was about, um, you know, animal behavior and body language and things like that. Things that, you know, are going to keep you safe out in the field for, with animals and working with them. So, so far it's been good. No, that, <laughs> what that's I've gotten good to hear. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, that's, you mean, you mean, that's great to hear, you know, obviously moving to the, <laughs> online format you, you know there, there's it's a great way to reach a lot of people with the information um you know some people do struggle with that that learning environment right they want to be in part of the group they want to be able to ask questions and everything else uh but hopefully here with everything that's going on in the country uh people getting vaccinated traveling in group gatherings are becoming uh more regular again that we'll be able to do some in-person trainings here in the near future for those that want that type of learning environment is there any, so there's nothing yet planned for NACA in-person trainings at this time? No, nothing uh, is scheduled. I, I want to say uh, a couple months ago, we, we, we took a vote. We've had some um, requests for us to um, be present at some other conferences that are up and going. And uh -huh. we kind of we looked at what the, the national organizations were doing. And a lot of them have like bans on travels to like July 1st. And okay. so we took a boat and we were like, okay, like anything really before July, yes, the vaccinations would be going, things become more right. Like Florida's like, you know, like completely open, um, you know, having like 20,000 people at events and stuff like that now. Um, so like, you know, it's starting to become more regular um, in just the planning part of it. And, you know, we just want to make sure that if we're going to be sending, you know, representatives of NACA or you mean the board members or an employee or whoever it may be, 
that, you know, we're making decisions that are, are going to be safe for them. Makes sense, man. Totally get it. Well, we appreciate you coming on today and giving us a quick update. Todd, do you have anything for NACA? I don't. I, I think that they're, you know, definitely going through some growing pains right now. Um, as they were back when I was president. Um, and I know there's definitely been some um, political um, name calling back and forth from some folks, myself included. Um, but I think I think they're doing a good job and I think that they're, uh, you know, doing what they can in this time. I think I think NACA is at a big challenge these days, specifically because there are so many new agencies that are up and coming that are that are that are making inroads in and and um, you know, some of them, you know, especially here in California, uh, the Poundmaster 597 group is definitely, you know, getting more um, involved than I think NAC is in the California area. So I think I think NAC has got a lot of a lot of challenges ahead of them right now. But I think I think the current board is is up to the task with uh, with what they're doing. Good man, good insight. I mean, you you yep. were on there for a long time, so yeah, well, yeah, for sure. I know the politics well. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm glad to be out of the national scene. I'm very glad to not be at the national scene anymore because it is the politics that goes on at the top with the national organizations and all that is, yeah, it's it's nice to just be a country boy again. I'll agree 100% with you there on Todd, you know, as I'm stepping away from I mean, the animal welfare field and, you know, eventually here with NACA, um, I, I'm, my phone doesn't ring. I don't have to you know, be concerned with some of these things that are happening off in the peripheral and always have to be mindful of it. So I 100% get what you're saying. Yep, yep. Awesome stuff. Well, we just want to thank everyone for joining us today. Episode 77. Uh, check out our website, humaneroundup.com. Check out nakanet.org. Check out Todd Stosi on his email that we provided and in the show notes and that he provided earlier. And just keep doing good things. We, you know, we want people to to be able to continue to grow and, and we grow together, right? It's not just one isolated tree in a forest. It's, we're a forest. So let's continue to grow together. Yeah. We're well, and just to tie in, you know, previous episodes, you're not alone out there. So let us know if there's anything we can do to help you. If you need resources, whatever, Dan and I are there, reach out to us. I'm going to help you with your internet, but that's going to happen off air. So <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, if, if you missed last episode, episode 76 uh, with Dr. Bacham with the ASPCA, oh my goodness, what's they got some great stuff going on down, yeah. uh, down there in Florida. Do not miss that episode. Uh, there's so many resources available for necropsies, uh, expert testimony, all this stuff that uh, it can really help solidify a case. So check that episode out. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. And as always on the Humane Roundup, Bishop, you ready? Let's keep it. I'm ready. Let's keep it humane, man. I blame the internet. (laughs) Whatever. Awesome. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Adam. We really appreciate you guys. 